I'm with my guy, Paul Moyer. I am Michael Bumpus, and we are going to start this show by recapping what happened last week against the 49ers. Now, history says that the Hawks were supposed to win this game, but, Paul, it's a year-by-year, week-by-week type of deal. So you got an emotional win on Monday night football, and then you got to travel to the Bay and take on a 49ers team that looked a bit different. Going into the game, we're like, okay, we're going to see Trey Lance. Right, this this not a rookie, but his second year at the helm at quarterback. We're going to see what he can do, but quickly into that game, he gets injured, and then Jimmy Garoppolo gets under center. And I'm more nervous about Jimmy Garoppolo than I was about Trey Lance because he knows this offense. His teammates love him, and you watch this game unfold. And I always talk to you on the side, right? I'm always talking to my guy, Paul Moore, like what happened during this game? And you say, look, it comes down to a few plays. You know, you can point out certain instances in this game to where you felt like they could have won or lost this game. Enlighten me, enlighten the people what you saw. Well, first of all, we knew it was going to be a tough game. I mean, their defense is legit. I mean, Buffalo and the 49ers defense are two of the best in the league. And they, they're, they're tough for us because of their front and their linebackers, the way they play, and they, they're one of the few teams that can really get pressure with just four, three, four guys and play really tight pass defense behind it. So they're going to contest every throw, which which they did. Um, you know, forget the six quarters of offense. I mean, again, we knew this was going to be a really tough game defensively. But what I was saying, and I go, look, it doesn't matter. Unless you get give up 700 yards to 200 and get beat 45 to nothing, most games still come down to four or five plays a game, and that's it. And if you go and look at that, the first half of that game, the Seahawks missed three tackles that really jumped out at us. So one was about a 20-yard play. One was a 15-yard play. The other one was the big long one to Samuel. It was 51 yards, but it was probably closer to 55 yards from where we could have made the tackle. So you're talking well over 80 yards just on three plays there. Um, so that's that's number one. Two is, look, we, we have, I, I don't know if it was a good call or a bad call, but the one DK Metcalf caught downfield. Bad call. And they Porter. called. Bad call. Well, <laughs> they called an offensive lineman downfield, but he was engaged. And I know it was a bad call because it was Lucas from Washington No, State. he was engaged. That's why. But that he helps, was engaged. That but helps. their new rule this year is anything after two yards, you, you've got to You've got to back off on that. Right. So, so that was big. Um, the halfback pat. We're down thirteen to nothing. Um, and by the way, before that, we're we're down six to nothing because of those missed tackles. Gave up two two field goals on that. Jimmy Garoppolo comes in. We're a little bit worried because now they have the ability to throw the football. We, we didn't think Trey Lance was going to be as throwing the ball, uh, running the ball maybe. But he's now. So we're down six to nothing, and we have a blown coverage. And we, now we're down 13 to nothing. Yeah. I'm like, all right, we, we got our work cut out for us. But we have a nice drive. We're driving down there. We're in their red zone. And we, we decided to call a halfback pass. Whether it's a good call or bad call, it does not matter. It was not executed properly. It does matter. Did you like it or did you not like it? Uh, I, I like it if we had a scored on it. <laughs> um, but I've, every coach will tell you if it's not there, throw it away or just run it. Just we run can it. live to play another day. Yeah. But whatever you do, don't throw an interception. And it, I, I remember one time they ran a, when I was playing, they ran a fake punt. And I was the guy that had the disguise and I dragged out into the kind of the intermediate part of the, the field. And you're going, just don't mess it up, right? right. The coaches right. don't mess it up, whatever you do. And sure enough, I tipped the ball. I think it got intercepted. And uh, that's another story. But that <laughs> reminds me of that play was 
on that one, 13 to nothing, a little flex, um, 13 <laughs> to nothing, we come away with no points. Uh, that's, that's huge. So then the next one, we've got, um, we're, we're down, what, 13 to nothing, uh, at going into close to halftime, but we got a chance to go down, maybe kick a field goal, and we muffed the, the, the punt return. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh man, I mean, these are big, huge plays. And then we have a horrible third down PI against us on Colby Bryant. And you can't have bad call. You can't have the ref influence certain Horrible plays. in the sense that he shouldn't have called it? or Yes. Okay. No, I mean, we should have been off the field in that situation. Yeah. So I'm looking at that. I, I'm going to group the, the tackles as one. Uh, that was 80-some yards. We'll, we'll get better because of that. But, you know, we, we've got to become a better tackling team. The DK went downfield, the halfback pass, the muff punt, the third down, and the blown coverage. I go, man, it's five, six plays and the game's completely different. Now, we didn't play well, and San Francisco is good. You cannot get behind on them early. Right. They're really difficult to come back on both defensively, and then they're going to run the football. So they're just going to chew up the clock along the way. Um, we'll have better days. I mean, we're, we're a team right now It's probably going to have some good days, some bad days, and we're going to be talking about this a bunch until we get the consistency from the young guys. And the coaches talked about this. we got a lot of young guys from Daryl Taylor. Yeah. He's still a young guy. We're counting on him. Mm-hmm. From Jordan Brooks to uh, Tyreek Woolen, Kobe Bryant. I mean, we got a lot of young guys defensively that just we need them to be a little more consistent. So your, I, just your thoughts. Sorry. My thoughts. Hey, you know, I'm going to play off of you, man. My guy, my right hand man, Paul Moore. <clears throat> I look at that game and I think that the 49ers out physicaled mm, the Seahawks. Now, yeah. it doesn't mean that the Seahawks can't be physical. It just means that in that moment, <clears throat> they were the more physical team. And then I look at Geno Smith and I'm like, all right, he was efficient. He's the only quarterback in the league right now completing 80 percent of his passes. But the reason why he's completing 80 percent of his passes is because he's throwing the hitch. He's throwing the out. He's throwing the slant. High percentage passes. You know, I was on our, our my my show earlier today, bumping Stacy every day. I, I listen to, to you every day. Ten to two. Thank you, my man. I do. I uh, turn the radio on right about ten o'clock. Right about ten o'clock. Yes. I appreciate you. Yes. And I say, look, I need Gino to be seventy percent passing. And why do I need him to be seventy percent passing? That means that he is taking chances down the field. Now, people look at Gino and say, why isn't he throwing the football down the field? It's not all up to him, Paul Moyer. There's there's an OC who calls the plays that kind of dictates where the ball goes. So I think they're going to look at this film. And they're going to say defensively, we need to be stronger. We need to be tougher. We need to get bodies on bodies. These linebackers need to meet these linemen about two yards down the field instead of four to five yards down the field. And then offensively, we need to let Gino open it up. And we heard Pete Carroll say that. We need to open up the game. So before I get your thoughts on that, I'm going to remind people there's a raffle going on. You guys find Richard and Julia. All right, you get entered into a raffle. we got a lot going on. Make sure you see those two over there. But the physicality, how do, how do you feel about that? Is that well, something we need to do? I, I think, again, it's a bit of perception. Um, you, you go and watch. It wasn't like we weren't playing hard and trying to hit. We, we have a wrap-up problem defensively. And it went through into preseason. We've seen it the first two games. Um, if we were just... Being, getting juked all over the place, I'd be more concerned. They're just going to have to make the emphasis, hey, look, we're not shoulder tacklers in this league. Can't do it. I'd rather have a wrap-up around a guy's waist, around the line of scrimmage, yeah. than you try to blow him up and then miss every once in a while. In this league, you just cannot let these skill guys get into the second level. It's too difficult. So I, I don't know if we... And I agree, because when I, when I was done with that game, I go, man, it's one of the few times we went into San Francisco and they got us physically. Yeah. I mean, they, they dominated mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball. Then I go back and I watch it, and I go, I mean, you know, we got some push 
with our offensive line. I mean, I saw some of our times where our guards and tackles were two, three yards downfield. It was kind of a nice uh, fan look, you know, with, with our offensive line. San Francisco, man, their linebackers are good, though. You know, they're, they're blocked for a nanosecond. They get off blocks, and I think it's a great tape for our linebackers to look. He, it's okay to have somebody block you, but it's not okay to stay blocked. And, boy, 49ers are really good at that, using their hands and scraping. So we got to get better. I mean, there's no question about it. San Francisco knew it was going to be a tough test. They're a legit Super Bowl contending team. Um, they lost a game that was really difficult for them that first week against Chicago. We came off an emotional uh, – and I'm not making excuses. we got to play better. But there are reasons why we didn't play as well. Um, a lot has to do with the 49ers. And it – I'm telling you, it's never as good or as bad as you think it is. It was not as bad as everybody thinks. No, it wasn't. When you look at the score, the score can be deceiving. But I think offensively, there are some things that I want to see. I want to see Rashad Penny touch the ball a bit more. Oh, yeah. I want to see them be creative with Ken Walker. He had an eight-yard run. Moyer was the best run of the day for me as far as, as Seahawks running backs. Man, he's juking right. He's juking left. He's getting upfield. You see the potential there. And then you got to get number 14 involved in a game plan. It's nice to see Tyler Lockett do his thing, but nine catches. 107 yards, but you need big plays, and I think it starts with DK Metcalf. You're paying this man $25 million a year for a reason. I just hope he stays patient. I hope that Shane figures out a way to get him the ball, and I hope that Gino is not afraid to do that. Well, we're just getting started here on Hawks Live here at Center Court in Bellevue Square. When we return, we're going to talk to Josh Kendall from The Athletic. That's next right here on Hawks Live. We got a nice crowd in front of us. If you're not here, get here and get in on this raffle. But right now, we're going to talk to Josh Kendall from The Athletic. Josh, how you doing? Good. Tell us how y'all. We are doing well. Getting ready for a matchup. This is going to be a game. I think, um, I don't know what the perception was in the ATL, but out here in Seattle, you look at the matchup against Atlanta, you're going, okay, that's a winnable game. But when you look at the situation that both teams are in, you watch the film, you say, this is going to be a good one. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I, I think these are both relatively flawed teams. They've got some things that, you know, I think, think, think they're both optimistic about some things, but they've yet to put it all together. Um, Atlanta is, you know, has found two ways to lose in two different games. But they're better than they were last year. Um, they feel like they're better than they were last year. They feel like they're close. But if you go through every sort of 0-2 team in the league or 1-1 team in the league, they all feel like they're close. So until Atlanta breaks through, you know, they're just talking about it. Well, they look like a pretty good 0-2 team. I mean, they're up to, what, 26-10 to 10 against New Orleans and, and lose that one and then make a, a, a pretty great comeback last week. What do you think they're closer to? I mean, they, they definitely have some skilled people on there. Are they closer to that should have won the New Orleans game or closer to an 0-2 team? They should have won the New Orleans game. I mean, if Marcus Mariota gets a snap on third and one, they probably convert there and that game's over and they win that game. The Rams game was more of a fluke. They were thumped pretty good for a while, and I think the Rams, you know, took a deep breath. Atlanta gets a pump block and a lot of things happen and they get back in that game. So I think, you know, they should have won – that first game. So, you know, are they a one and one team? I, I don't know, but, you know, the reality is that they, they lost them both. They're 0 and 2. Um, Drake London has looked great. Kyle Pitts has not yet gotten on track, but we know he's a really good player. Their run game is a little better than it was last year. Their defense is getting more pressure, um, although it's not very good against the run. So, I mean, you, you can 
they're believable when they tell you we're better at this, this, and this because they are. They're still 0-2. Yeah, Josh, I look at the weapons you guys have over there. You mentioned Drake London, who tore up the Pac-12 last year over 1,000 yards in like eight games or something like that. Got Kyle Pitts, the kid out of Florida. Then you got the OG in the backfield, Patterson. Ten years in the game he's been. He's been a returner. He has been a receiver, but now he is a running back. When you look at the weapons, how do you feel the future looks for the Atlanta Falcons? Well, it depends on if Marcus Mariota is the answer at quarterback or if in the future Desmond Ritter is the answer at quarterback. You've got to get that position shored up. Um, the, the run defense has got to be better. You know, this is a team that's carrying $63, $64 million of dead money this year. You know, so they have some holes that they just can't fill. They need more of the defensive line depth. Um, they probably need another guy on the offensive line or two. Um, to feel really good about where they are there. If Tyler Algier is a good is, is the answer at running back, then they're probably okay there for a little while. But you know, it, it's the line of scrimmage where I would expect them to spend some money once it becomes free in 2023. And this could be a team. You know, th- this could certainly be a playoff team in 2023. You mentioned uh, Marcus Mariota. What, just what are your thoughts on that? I, I know he hasn't been a starter for a while, but he's looked good. I mean, mostly it's been in the run game where he's looked good. But I've, I've also looked, his release looks different. It looks quicker than it was a few years ago. Uh, just get for your assessment so far on Marcus. He's been better than they deserve, given that they put themselves in a bad position by pursuing Deshaun Watson, failing in that pursuit, and then having to trade Matt Ryan. You know, they signed Marcus the day that they traded Matt Ryan. They got pretty lucky that a guy like him, who's familiar with Arthur Smith's system, who is a great locker room presence, who is a, you know, I think a, you know, fine NFL starter was available. That, you know, the ball that he threw up in the end zone that Ramsey picked was probably not a good decision. He he had a guy open there. We've talked about the third one where he fumbles the snap. If he just cleans up cleans up a couple of things. He's been, he's, he'll be really good for this team. But, again, it just comes down to you've got to make those plays to win. I mean, it's, it, it's a sort of a brass tacks league. You look at Marcus Mariota, what he brings to the table, but you guys have Desmond Ritter, the guy who took Cincinnati to the college football playoffs, um, hasn't lost a lot of games at that level. Is there anything that Marcus Mariota can do to open up the door for this young man, or do you feel like Marcus is going to be the guy throughout this season? No, I think that they've got to take a look at Desmond Ritter at some point. And I think um, because before 2023 gets here, you've got to know what you've got for the future in Desmond Ritter. You've got to know whether you're in the QB market in 2023 or not. So how well Marcus plays, I think, determines that timeline. If they're sitting there at two and five after week seven, and Atlanta gets into an, a week eight, nine, ten stretch where they play Carolina twice, I could see that being Desmond Ritter's time. If Marcus gets some things cleaned up, if this team is four and three, even maybe three and four, you know, and Marcus is playing pretty well, I think that pushes Desmond Ritter's timeline back further in the season. But I do believe that they've got to take a look at Desmond Ritter in regular season games this year. They won't admit that, but I think it's a fact. You got a local uh, kid from UW there, Caleb McCrary, starting at right tackle. How's he look so far? 
Well, he was a first-round pick in 19. He, they drafted two offensive linemen in the first round in 2019, Caleb McGarry and Chris Lindstrom. They picked up Lindstrom's fifth-year option over the, in the offseason. They did not pick up McGarry's. He's just been okay at right tackle for them. But if you look around the league, there are a lot of okay right tackles in the league. So, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of average, but I don't know that the Falcons are going to do much better. Um, he's played probably as be- – he thinks he's played his best season so far while acknowledging that it's two, week- two weeks into the season. So if he keeps playing like he's playing right now, I think it's potentially he could be back in Atlanta next year. If, if he, you know, by the time the season we get to week 17 and he's played like he has the previous four seasons, then some of that free agent money that we're talking about them spending on the offensive line could be on finding a right tackle in the offseason. Josh, tell me about Arthur Smith. This is his second year um, running the Atlanta Falcons. Do you feel like the foundation is set? Is the future bright over there? What's the feel for the Falcons? Yes, I think that I think that there are reasons to believe to if you're an Atlanta fan to be optimistic about the future of this of this franchise. Arthur Smith, Terry Fontenot, at this point, look like they know what they're doing. But it's you know on the on the flip side, you know if you got to be really bad at this if you if there's no optimism in early in year two in your tenure. We've seen some of that around the NFL. That's a really bad sign. So, given what they inherited. Given um, the salary cap situation, given that they there are a few bright spots that you could with young people that you could potentially you know track out into being really successful, <clears throat> yeah, I think that there's reason for optimism for Atlanta fans. But again, they've got to see it to fruition. Got to see it to believe it, Josh. We appreciate you staying up late. Yeah, uh, we know what is it ten <laughs> it o'clock is over there, ten thirty. What, what you it doing, is, man? You having a sit? What you doing, Josh? I'm I'm actually in Seattle, so it's 7:30, but oh. it feels like 10:30. All right. Oh, did you did you travel with the team? Because they all came up here uh, and yeah, they're practicing at University of Washington. So. Yeah. Yep. So I've I've came straight here from LA, um, just you know, saying we're covering this like a normal week of practice. Well, if I'd have known that, we would have had you here at the Bellevue Collection sitting on the couch with us <laughs> with thousands of fans right now <laughs> listening to you. Th- there you go. Hey, next time we'll see what, eight years? Josh? <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. We'll, we'll, we'll see you then, Josh. I'll put it down on my calendar. Appreciate you, you Josh. Thank y'all. More ain't nothing like that Southern hospitality, though, right? It's, it's always hits different when you talk to, to people from the South. I, you know, my kids, they, all, they all moved to Dallas, man. You go down there, and the people who are mean are nice. You know what I mean? They're <laughs> the mad people at who are you. mean are nice. They're mad at you, but it's, it feels good. It's just, <laughs> I, they're just nice, man. Other than they drive insane there. I mean, in the, insane. Yeah, so the that, highways that are good. big. All right. Yeah. Hey, come join us here at Hawks Live at Bellevue Square Center Court where you have a chance to win gift cards from the Bellevue Collections Dining District. Tonight, they're giving away t- gift cards to Daniel's Boiler, Thai Kitchen, Bird Pepper, and Fago de Chow. I love saying that. When we come back, hey, we're going to talk to Daryl Johnson. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Right now, we are joined by DN Daryl Johnson. Daryl, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How you doing? Hey, we are well, man. We appreciate you taking time out of your preparation to join us on a Thursday night. And honestly, man, I want to say, I just want to show you some love. I saw you get in the game early. I saw number 40 flashing on the screen. I'm like, this young man is getting after the quarterback. What was it like to get that tap on the shoulder and get in that game and cause havoc? 
Uh, you know, I was just excited, uh, you know, that Coach Pete is actually giving me the opportunity. Uh, he threw me in the game last week, and, you know, I was just trying to make the best of it uh, to help help the guys, you know, help our defense do their thing. Did you know going into the week that you were going to be uh, on the, the 53 and playing? Uh, yeah, when they claimed me, they, they kind of uh, told me that I was going to come up and, 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 you know, help out on special teams. Uh, so I was just excited uh, for the opportunity. I love being the, the first guy to come out on the field and, and setting the tone for the for the team. So definitely great. Well, that that you did. And look, I, I'm looking at you. I mean, you're six foot six, two. I don't know, two sixty, two fifty five. Um, they got you a defensive end, but you know, with the system they're playing now, it's almost like an outside linebacker. What what do you consider yourself? Are you a defensive end or an outside linebacker? Uh, I mean, they they got me kind of doing a little bit of everything, so I can't really <laughs> tell you what I consider myself. I guess I'm just a football player. Um, but they got me playing, like, a lot of uh, inside, too, rushing on the inside and, and you know, uh, also the outside linebacker. So, you know, I'm just excited about it. Darrell, I love it. You say you're a football player. I love it. In high school, did you just play football or did you play something else? I played a little basketball, but I always had the, the, the love for football. So, yeah. Tell me about your college, man. You, you grew up in, uh, it looks like Kingsland, Georgia, but you end up going to North Carolina A&T, which, by the way, is Agricultural and Technical State University. But to, how did you end up uh, at, at North Carolina A&T? Uh, well, shoot, I didn't have no offers. So uh, it just happened. They, they kind of called me up. Um, well, actually, I was calling around. I had people calling around, my coaches and, and things like that. And then uh, we just, you know, God blessed me with one of the coaches from A&T. Uh, reached out and, and they offered me a partial scholarship. And I just took it and, you know, took advantage of every opportunity and, and worked my butt off. And, you know, just God, it is nothing but God. That's all I got to say, nothing but God. Uh, amen to that. And, you know, North Carolina Antique, you know, part of the HBCUs. And, you know, I think with Deion Sanders, you know, really starting with Jackson State, really making a, a name for some of those schools. Uh, do you see that growing as well? Is, is that a big part of, of this growth for those schools? Oh, yes, of course. If you look around the league, it's a lot of guys uh, that went to HBCUs that are on active rosters. So, and being that Dion just made that move, it was big for uh, HBCUs. Um, and, you know, I tell guys all the time from my school that, you know, they'll come get you from anywhere. So, you know, I just feel like if you just take advantage of your opportunity and, and take it day by day and, and try to do the best that you can, you you know, you will catch somebody's eye. So. Man, Daryl, that's awesome. If I could do it again, I would take a strong look at a HBCUs. But you're <laughs> you're you're a good story, man. From an HBCU, you spent some time in Buffalo and Carolina as well. Do you ever go back and show your story with with guys in your community and let them know like there's different ways to make it to where you are right now? Yes, I uh, I go back. I uh, actually I had a camp uh, back in my hometown not too long ago probably around right before OTA and uh 
And uh, yeah, and that was it. Was just I always I always told the guys that, you know, thank you. Uh, that you know you can make it from anywhere. You know you just gotta you gotta work hard, work your butt off, and you know no matter the circumstance, just just do what you do, do it to the best of your ability, um, and, and realize w- what your why is early. You know the time is now. You know so don't wait around and oh, I'm too young right now. No, the time is now. Go get it and and do what you have to do. We're visiting with Daryl Johnson, who's we'll call him hybrid right now. Uh, you guys, <laughs> you guys had a chance for all of our listeners out here. I mean, he flashed last week. I mean, you noticed him immediately. Number yeah. forty, he he definitely a player, and, and some of you guys want to watch. Talk about your time here now in Seattle. You spent a little bit of time in, at Carolina and Buffalo, and Buffalo, obviously the hot team, and you know, a really good organization. But we we hear this all the time when people come from other organizations to Seattle. There's something different about Seattle. Uh, can, can you share a little bit about just your time here so far and how different it is maybe with some of the other places you visited? Yes, um, I've been here for about two weeks now, and I just – it's something about Seattle and, and, and the way Coach Pete runs run things. Uh, it's like a brotherhood, you know. I, I, I immediately came into the locker room, and everybody just kind of, you know, showed me, showed me around and just showed me a good time and – you know, it's more. You know, when you come to work, it's it's fun coming to work at, in Seattle than um, other places. You know, a lot of other places more business and you know straight football. But Coach Pete, the way he has it set up, is is just amazing. It's amazing how he has the guys, uh, the teams. He got a lot of great guys in the locker room. Everybody's all in. So it's just great, man. It's great. It is a, it, a a cool organization. You play well. It doesn't matter who's in front of you. You're going you're gonna to play. You're going to get some time. That's why you're on the field. I want to ask you one thing. You, you, I was looking at some of your numbers. I think you were 92 at Buffalo, and I'm not sure what you were in college. You're number 40 now. Why did you Why did you grab number 40? Is there some history behind that? Uh, I I, I had 40 in college, so that was okay. one. And then 40, uh, 40 was my first number ever, uh, actually ever playing football. So it was always – it was just something about that number I had to get. And, uh, you know, I was – it was – like it was a reason why 40 was open. So I just grabbed it. I said, shoot, I, this has been my college number. This has been my, my number when I was younger. So – and also my dad had 40 uh, back in his day. So I, I just grabbed that number. I love it. I tell, love it. <laughs> tell me, tell me about your your meeting room. So, with receivers, they call us prima donnas, right? With you the, are with the DBs. They talk <laughs> the most trash. The offensive line, they're the closest group. Can't nobody say nothing to the quarterbacks. What's it like in that DN outside linebacker room? You know, it's it's great. Uh, you know, we got some good guys in there. Uh, I, I just say we we're a brotherhood. We're a brotherhood, and we're hungry. Uh, we're, we got a young uh, outside linebacker group, and uh, I, I think the guys are just hungry and ready to go, ready to learn, ready to take everything in. Now, I look at your position, Daryl, and I think you guys are probably the most athletic group out there. Um, what is it about your position that, that makes guys like me look at that position and say, okay, these guys can do just about anything on the football field? I would have to say, you know, being an a, a edge rusher and also a guy that could drop back in coverage, um, cover some of uh, those, you know, the, the, the flats and, and seams, those, get underneath those type of routes. I think, you know, that shows a lot of uh, our athletic ability. 
49ers gave you guys, uh, they're tough, tough running game. They're, they're a good football team. I mean, there's no question. Looks like Atlanta wants to do a little bit of that same stuff that Trey Lance was doing, you know, with Mariota. Um, just real quick, just some what do you, or some difficulties Atlanta could put, put out there and, and some players that you guys are looking at. Uh, you know, we, we, we got a good the game plan for Atlanta. Uh, I just say we just got to stick with the game plan. Uh, you know, last week, you know, we, we, I felt like we needed that game to, to bounce back and learn from uh, coming from that first game win um, we had. So I just feel like, you know, uh, we, we needed that game to learn from. And the game plan we have this week, uh, I think is good. We just got to do our job. That's, all, that's the only thing we have to do, just do our job. Don't do nothing more. Nothing less. Just do your job and own your play, every play, every snap. Let's go, baby. I wish I could be out there with you, Daryl, but I am too old. So <laughs> you go out there and, and you do your thing, man. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You have a good week and, uh, and ball out on Sunday, man. All right. Appreciate you. All right. That is Daryl Taylor, DN uh, rusher I, slash outside linebacker, versatile young man. When we were Daryl Johnson, Johnson, but I got what did you. I say? Taylor? You said Daryl Taylor, but My bad. when you Johnson. said it, I was like, it felt right. Daryl Taylor. It? Yeah. Nah, it's Daryl Johnson. But he, I don't think he so. He needs his love. All right. When yeah. we return, we'll go around the NFL. Myself and Paul Murray. That's right here on Hawks Live. Thank you for joining us on a Thursday. Appreciate y'all. If you're not here, get here because we got some raffles going on. We're gonna. What are we? We're raffling some. Uh, raffling some some, some dinners, gift, some some gift gifts cards, are, man. We got Daniel's broiler. We've we got done the Dukes kitchen. already. Dukes. You, you did uh, Tavern Fago Hall. Fago de Chao. What'd you have at Tavern Hall? Tavern Hall. I had the grilled cheese with some um, some fries. My guy Nasa Chobi had the spicy chicken sandwich. What you have? I had the steak sandwich. Steak sandwich. Salad. Was it? it was really good. It was really I good. I mean, she said. You need to have this one. I said, okay, I'm going to do it. So I did. <laughs> Follow orders. That's what we do. We're ball players. That's what well. we do, right? Yeah. Follow orders. All right, well, let's go around the NFL and check out what's going on. Thursday night football. Jacoby Brissett, quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, is having himself a day. Paul Moore, 20 of 29, 212 yards, two touchdowns. Nick Chubb, my fantasy running back in two leagues. Thank oh, you very much. Stop it. He's got 16 carries for 105 and one touchdown. Amari Cooper has seven catches for 101. Now, Mitch Trubisky, his his second wind trying to be a starter in this league. He's 14 and 22, 143. Najee Harris, the running back for the Steelers, has 15 for 56 yards and one touchdown. What are your thoughts on the Cleveland Browns? They seem better than I thought they were going to be without Deshaun well, I mean, Watson. They, look, they've been bad for so long. They've got enough first-round picks. I mean, <laughs> they've got talent. I mean, they, they feel they're a quarterback away, right? And that's why they put so much money into Deshaun Watson, right. the way they structured that. Um, I, look, Cleveland's just a franchise that, to me, just finds a way to lose. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they can have all the talent in the world. I mean, there's some, there's just some franchises there's a, you know, there's why a president of a company is so important and CEOs. And Meanwhile, he's a president of a company. Just going to point very, that out. Very successful, by the way. <laughs> um, first, he'll trust company. If you guys need penalties. Um but no, it is true though. I mean, you need r the right leadership, and they just, to me, have never had it for whatever reason. Yeah. So, 
Um, I don't know. I'm not that impressed. I'm, Pittsburgh, I think, has got a pretty good defense. But I think until, look, Travisky, they're always going to be looking to replace him. Yeah. And, you know, they, they did draft the one kid picket that we'll see. You know, More the game that I'm looking forward to seeing the most other than the Seahawks versus the Falcons, of course, Buffalo versus Miami. Miami comes back against the Ravens, puts up something like four or five touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Um, get that done. Tua is almost like his coming out party. He's throwing touchdowns everywhere. He's got Tyreek Hill. He's got Waddle. He's got Jasicki. I look at the Buffalo Bills, and I see the best defense in the league, and I see arguably right now the best, best quarterback offense. in the league. Best offense Stephon in the Diggs. league. You got Zach Moss. You got options over there. You got Knox at the tight end spot. When you look at this game, you think Miami has a chance, or do you think no. this Buffalo's going to run all no. over? No. I mean, Miami's played pretenders. I mean, there's a lot of good teams out there. Buffalo is great. Now, I believe the game is in Miami, and I think it's supposed to be warm, so you never know on that. But, yeah, I mean, Buffalo has scored 72 points in two games versus two good football teams. Right. And they've given up 17. Miami has scored 62. Not bad. They've given up 45. I, I mean, can they? Yeah, anybody can beat anybody in this league. But Buffalo right now, unless they get some injuries, they're just playing at another level right now. Um, to me, the biggest surprise. Who's that? Cincinnati. Yeah, I was, that's where I was going two. next. Yeah. Oh, and two. Now, look, they got some offensive line issues. They had offensive line issues last year. They got hot at the right time towards the end of the year. Um, it's a good story, but I've seen, look, that you lose that Super Bowl. There's something about that Super Bowl hangover. It's real. There's something about the emotion and the expectations. Um, I've just never seen too many teams that are young like them that went to a Super Bowl up and come or start off 0-2. Usually it's in the middle of the year. They yeah. have some injuries, some adversity. They're not really sure how to deal with it. Um, to me, Cincinnati is, I, I, I think that's the biggest surprise and, and probably... Um, Hold on, let me stay on Cincinnati. Oh, go ahead. Let me stay on Cincinnati because I was one of the few who thought they weren't going to do anything this year. You didn't. I didn't. I thought that they snuck up on people last year. They were a 10-16. Well, and then 16. you're not surprised. No, I'm not surprised. I'm surprised that they're playing this poorly. I, I You know, I you can be 0-2 and still be a good 0-2 football team, right? Yeah. I look at this team in 0-2, and I'm like, they're not playing good football. And it's all about protecting the quarterback, something they cannot do with Joe Burrow. So, no, I looked at this team and I said, all right, how do you play with a target on your back? You go through the whole season last year under the radar, beating a few teams. Yeah, they got Joe Cool over there and Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon. Yeah, How do you go. respond when people see you on their schedule and say, all right, we got to go get up for this one? What else, what else are you looking at in this league? Uh, I mean, part of me was going to be uh, until Arizona made a massive comeback last week. Uh, <laughs> they, they were going to be my other surprise of, wow, I can't believe they're 0-2, but uh, they came back. Um, you know, I think everything else is – I was telling you earlier, I go, I think there's five teams in the NFL. Wait, one, two, looking at number of undefeated teams, two, three, four. There's uh, six undefeated teams in the NFL, and we're in week two. Yeah. That's crazy to me. You know, it's just there's a lot of one-on-one -on -one teams right now. Um, oh, and two, Cincinnati, that's – Statistically, it's not good. I mean, the, the odds of making the playoffs are tough. And there's 17 games scheduled this year, so you know maybe 0-2 is not what it used to mean. You know, back when there was 14 and 16 game schedules, but that's that's a tough hold to climb out. I think Tampa Bay, you know, to be 2-0. I mean, Tom Brady not being in camp, going through all of his issues. Bunch of old line issues too. You know, he's he is OG. OG, OG, OG. Uh, I remember the first time you called me OG. Because I, I, whenever they throw acronyms, I'm not really sure what they are. I go, OG. I go, he just called me old guy? He called me old guy. 
and you, you it, said it's, it endearing, but it's, it's, yeah. a, it's original gangster. Okay, but it's love. I That's don't. Me. I don't think I'm a gangster. You're, man. You you're, know what I mean? you're a president me of a company, the, not a gangster. Me from the OC, man. All my gangster <laughs> friends, buddy. <laughs> Surfboards and all, right? That's right. Uh, you know what I look at? I also look at the Tennessee Titans, and how disappointed are they? Right, you're the number one seed last year. You, you get to the conference. Did they get to the conference championship game? No, anyway, they made a, a nice run last year, and you figure, okay, they're going to be okay this year. You get rid of A.J. Brown, but you bring over Robert Woods. You drive Traylon Burks, good receiver out of Arkansas. You still have Derrick Henry, and then you have Tannehill. And I watched that game. It was a Monday night game where they just got smacked by the Bills. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's time we see that Ricky Willis, the, the quarterback from Liberty, and see what he does. He comes in and he fumbles the football. <laughs> so you look at the Tennessee Titans, and they're a perfect example of that. Nothing's guaranteed in this league. you got to no. come back and prove it unless you have a Pat Mahomes, a Tom Brady, and Aaron no. Rodgers. And even Aaron lost his first game. Yeah, I think the Raiders being 0-2 is a bit of a surprise. Philadelphia 2-0. and I'm curious to see what they do. I mean, they've looked pretty good good too um you know we'll see you know how they they develop there i think maybe the biggest two and oh surprise they, they've only won, they want their two and those the giants but you know they've got a plus four differential yeah. so they've won two really close games but, but look, man, it's wide open i mean mm. the amount of one and one teams it's you know you got it like I said six two and oh teams I, I don't even know do we got one sorry i'm looking at number we have two teams that are zero and two Everybody else is one and one. Right. You know, so, you know, injuries are a huge factor. So it's it's early in the season. We're going to be talking about the Seahawks again. I think they're going to be a bit up and down until these young guys start getting a lot of consistency. Um, but I do believe we have the talent. I think we're going to rebound uh, this week, and we're going to play a good game. Another team in the NFC who's making some noise. Philadelphia Eagles, 2-0, first in the NFC West. They beat the Detroit Lions 38-35, to who I grew fond of, the Lions, like because of uh, the hard knocks. I love their coach. Yeah. I love their coach over there. And then they beat the Minnesota Vikings 24-7. to I look at that team, and they're a balanced attack. You got Jalen Hurst, who threw for 300 yards and one touchdown last week, but you also have a defense that can hold yeah, it down, a run game that's pretty good. I'm interested to see how he evolves. He's the perfect example of that. You just got to take your time with some quarterbacks. A lot of people want instant satisfaction when it comes to these quarterbacks. Jalen Hurst is an example. Like, all right, give me some time. Give me a few years to develop. Now, two weeks into the season, right? But so far, so good for Philly. Yeah, I mean, I liked what I saw from him last year as well. So, um, look, there, there's very few young quarterbacks in this league that can do it on their own. You know, you've got to be able to run it. You've got to play really good defense. Um, and there's a lot of young quarterbacks trying to get their shot. Sometimes it's just being in the in the right opportunity, you know, not throwing them away. And I think, you know, our guy Drew Locke, you know, I mean, it, it, it's we're so easy or the league or the media is so easy to throw these 24, 25-year-old kids like, well, your career's over. Well, it hadn't even begun. And so it is important, like, for Philadelphia to have a good defense and run a game, not let these young quarterbacks have to do it all themselves. So, look, it's, th- this season is going to be, to me, there's only one great team right now one great one who that it's buffalo buffalo it's buffalo everybody else is good i think san francisco's legit i think the rams are, are going to have a hard time repeating um i think san francisco the way they play defense and with their running game and unfortunately jimmy garoppolo gives them a better chance to win it than when they had trey lance all right one great team he says hey make sure you guys come join us at bellevue square center court my guy Brandon Tran already won something tonight. We're giving away some raffle tickets. Come join us. I'm Michael Bumpus. He is Paul Moyer. Coming up next, we'll talk to Tariq Woolen in person right here on Hawks Live.
Clap it up one time for my guy. <laughs> yes, sir. Appreciate it, appreciate it. So the first thing I noticed about you, obviously, is your speed. Mm-hmm. And you know, growing up, I'm sure it was the same way where you grew up. We was always racing on the block. Mm-hmm. Was you always the fastest dude on the block? Did you ask somebody you grew up with who used to get you? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I was pretty fast growing up, but it was always guys around me that was pretty fast. And then when we got to, like, middle school and then high school, that's when the separation really yeah. started to <laughs> show a little bit. That's what's up. I saw, I saw your stride. After you blocked that, that field goal against the, uh, the Niners, mm-hmm. you got up. And I kid you not, within like 20 yards, you ate up that cushion on Mike Jack real quick. I was looking at that stride. I'm like, man, that's a beautiful thing. What was it like in that moment making that block and then escorting your boy into the end zone? So it felt good. Uh, it was like one of those games where it was one of those, you know, nothing wasn't really going. It was rainy too, kind of cold. And, you know, a play had to be made. And when the, when the, when the chance presented itself, to uh, block the field goal, and Mike Jack took off. And I was just was happy for him, and I just tried to chase him. And I seen the kicker almost catch him, too, <laughs> so I tried to get the kicker. But once the kicker missed, too, I knew he was going to get that touchdown. Are, are you talking during that moment? Because I remember mm-hmm. me and my boys, we talking. We going to the zone, baby. We talking. <laughs> or, or are you just hand up, just, just silent escort? <laughs> oh, no, I was like, yeah, I was screaming for my dude. I'm always happy when my teammates do something good, so... Whenever we was running down there, I was screaming for him, and then we just turned up in the end zone. That's what's up. Mm -hmm. You know, what's crazy about that play, so, I mean, we can go back 40 years. Guys coming off the edge try to block uh, extra points and field goals. And there's a lot of quick guys coming around the edge, but you got to get so low around that edge that you can be there, but the ball gets up so fast, the arm length's not... You, you just don't have enough to block it. You yeah. come around the edge, and you're you're six foot four plus. By the way, I, I played safety. I never had a corner taller than me, and <laughs> I, and he's six foot four plus. I feel like a midget to him. But I mean, your wingspan is is awfully long. Have you blocked field goals before in the past? That's my second one. Is it in college? We used to have this thing called the jumpers package, where you used to go against a kicker that used to kick field goals low. And we played against Marshall, and I was like a sophomore. I was a receiver at the time still, and I just jumped up, and I had blocked it. Well, let's, I know you've told the story, but let's bring the audience into this one. You, you came to Texas San Antonio, and you were a wide receiver. I'm assuming that was in, in high school as well. Mm-hmm. So you make that transition, but you're about two years into it, your sophomore year, and one of the coaches said, nope, I want you to try out for corner. Can you just tell us or tell the audience here just what that was like and how much you may have resisted or were open to it? Sure, I really didn't want to do it at all. He asked me <laughs> to do it. And I was like, nah, coach, I'm a receiver. I came to college as a receiver. He was like, well, I know you haven't been playing as much as you want, and we can really use you on the team. You're pretty athletic. So I tried it out at practice. And even though I was doing good at it, I was like, nah, I didn't want to say nothing because I just always played offense. And whenever I got the chance, it was like the last game of 2019, and I had played that one game at cornerback. And then COVID had happened. We had got new coaches, and they asked me not to play receiver or corner, and I just told them I want to play corner. So what do you like better now? Oh, corner. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's, making money playing corner well, now, I mean, baby. Look, this, this is, this, really, it's, it's almost historic. I mean, you just don't get, I mean, Richard Sherman did a little bit when he was at Stanford, and, and obviously he developed and, and started as, as well middle of the, his rookie year, I believe. To be a start of your rookie year after transitioning from wide receiver to corner, really having one year with it, I mean, it's it's almost historic. And it's not just that. You guys watch him. I mean, he's going to be a great player. He's already a very good player, but you're, you're going to be a great player. <laughs> 
Thank you. So uh, any other sports you play in high school? I always love asking this because mm-hmm. as a football player, we all think we can hoop, and then all hoopers think they can <laughs> play football. So I'm going to go out and say you probably play a little hoop, especially with your size. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I have played basketball, and I ran track. Whenever basketball season came around, I, I did it for fun. I thought I was a hooper before football. And whenever a coach from a college came up and he was like, hey, you can't play basketball in college. You're 6'3", 6'4", still carry 6'3". You're going to be a guard. And I was like, oh, you're right because I can't shoot the ball. <laughs> so, <laughs> Even though you were all district in, in, in high school at basketball, mm-hmm. weren't you? Oh, yes, sir. Because we, we've had Charles Cross who said, he, I think he was a he two-time was state. state player. Yeah. We had Abe Lucas who said he can flat out play mm-hmm. too. We got you all district. This might be the best rookie back. Though I've not had a guy we ever on our show who didn't say they couldn't of play course, basketball. Of course. <laughs> so who's who's the best basketball player? Because they, they have a basketball hoop in uh with the the team, right? Oh yeah, in the team room. Well, I haven't had a chance. They to haven't shoot. made you shoot yet. Oh, not yet, not yet. Mm, that's coming. But uh, a guy that got a good jump shot is Mike Jackson or yeah. Puna Mike Ford. Jack. Puna Ford got a real Puna Ford. Okay, and Drew Lock. Drew Lock. All right. Tyler Lockett thinks he's Hooper too. Now. Oh no, Tyler Lockett, he got a nice. Yeah, jumper. he can shoot. Yeah. <laughs> so what's it like on the field, man? I feel like I've seen your personality come out a bit more. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel obviously we can't hear what's going on. I'm just looking at body language, and you know I, I see you like flex a little bit after after a play <laughs> out there. You getting comfortable out there? A little bit. I just call it having fun, really. You know, I'm a skinny guy, so when I flex, it ain't much showing. But <laughs> <laughs> I just do it because I'm just having fun out there and. Whenever you make plays and your teammates just keep gaining confidence in you and it help build confidence in me too. So you switched from, you were 39 at first, and you mm-hmm. switched to the 2-7. Is there something behind it or that number was available and you said, I'm going to grab that? Uh, a little bit. You know, when I first got drafted and I seen 39, I was like, uh, I'll take it. I mean, <laughs> I'm a rookie. I, and I, I don't really just ask for much. I feel like sometimes you got to earn some stuff. Yeah. And just like in college, whenever I first uh, moved a corner, I was number 20, and then uh, my senior year, I got voted into number three. So I just kind of was like, you know what, I just got to earn another number. Yep. And after fall count and the preseason games, I felt like I played pretty good, and I had asked to get 27. There we go. Mm-hmm. Grab it. Yeah, in the NFL, man, they, uh, it, you're not just paid to cover. You got you to play in the run game, too. And I'm taking mm-hmm. you back to the Denver game. Where you came and made made that big hit, and you looked like did you get a stinger? Oh yeah. Was it was a shot down the, your neck and shoulder? Oh, it was down my shoulder. That was my first one. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you don't get used to those because oh, yeah. the, those are no, they aren't they aren't fun. But what has been the the most difficult transition going from college to the NFL? Is it being a part of the run game, or is it still covering those guys out wide? A little bit of both because now in this run game, you're going to get some dudes, some big guys. Rather, me in college, I was going against uh, Conference USA competition. I mean, it's not a bad conference, but it ain't, you know, NFL guys that come from SECs and all the different schools. But um, same as, you know, receivers and running routes and stuff like that, guys running routes a lot more sharper now. What's uh what's the transition been like? Because in college, you know, you wake up, you got weight training, you got class, you got practice. Like you're on a on a strict schedule. And I I know when I made it to league, man, I loved it. I'm like, I can just play football. You know, I can just focus on being football. Uh, what has that transition been like for you? Um, it's been smooth because you do have a lot more time now. I remember in college, I used to wake up and go to practice. 
and at practice I'll be thinking about some homework I didn't finish the night before. <laughs> so it, uh, it's been pretty smooth, and I like it because I noticed me changing as a uh, you know as a cornerback and just learning the plays a lot more easier just because I have more time to focus on football. Who you kick it with on the team? Shoot, uh, I kick it with a lot of guys, and you know, I'm pretty chill. I, I kicked it with uh, shoot a guy that's a free agent that came into the team, Quandre Mosley, he a rookie. Yep. Yep. Shoot, uh, Jamal, uh, you know, most of the DBs, really. But, you know, Rashad Penny, I'm cool with him, too. So I try to uh, chat with all the different guys and stuff just so they can be comfortable around me. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, the weather's different than uh, Texas, that's for sure. You don't have to worry about bugs here. You can keep your windows open. It's all nice. But <laughs> big you, old bugs. Big bugs, too, there. And the, the weather's, you know, a little humid at times. But have you found anything you like to do here in the Northwest that you wouldn't have done in, in Texas? Mm-hmm. They do have a, a lot of beautiful sights out here. Texas isn't as green as, you know, Seattle or the state of Washington in general. Yep. And another thing is the summer here is real nice because I went back home to visit and I was sweating so hard. <laughs> I come and, and while I'm here and when I came here, I barely sweated at all. So I just love the nature and I just love how the trees are super big, too. Food's a little different, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, bars are definitely different. you got all kinds of outside <laughs> bars there in Texas. But yeah. there any, any food? I mean, obviously, seafood's big up here. Mm-hmm. Are you no, no, no good on the seafood? I don't touch seafood? seafood at all. I don't, touch, I don't even like seafood. <laughs> it can be fried. It can be raw. No, I don't like seafood at all. I don't touch it. I feel you, man. I go down and visit my, my family in Biloxi, and we'll go to a, the buffet, and I'm the dude mm-hmm. grabbing pizza. They're like, man, we had a seafood buffet, and you grabbing pizza. I, I just that, That's just how I operate, man. Oh, yeah. Um, so what's it uh you're entering your your third week in the nfl it has the game slowed down for you and do you feel like your technique is kind of it's like catching up mm-hmm. to, to what's happening in front of you oh yeah it, it's been a, a pretty cool transition because just these three games well it's about to be the third game it's been going by pretty fast so uh, just being more comfortable in the game is something I have been feeling because I feel like to, the coaches trust me even more out there just because I've made plays and I just got to keep doing it and just uh, keep gaining the trust in my teammates. And this third game should be a lot of fun. So I just just keep trusting in myself. Well, you can see the confidence in you everywhere. I, mean, I was really impressed after Denver. You know, a couple of things may have not gone right, but that didn't, you didn't waver on that, man. You were right back in there. And look, they're going to try every week something new last week more deep outs right yeah. they said hey he's a hard guy to beat over the top and crossing routes so every week's a new week so stay yeah. confident man because you are a really good player yes, sir. it'll be Thank fun you. to watch keep collecting that data baby yep. yeah, all right it's Tariq Willen clap it at one time for the starting corner for the Seahawks all right when we return we'll go inside the field where we're going to break oh. down Devo Samuel's run Dwelly's touchdown and then Tariq Willen's block punt that's right here on Hawks Live right now we're going to put our coach's hat on and uh, try to diagnose what we saw. The first play we're going to look at, Debo Samuel runs for 51 yards on second and eight in the first quarter. Samuel stays in the backfield. Lance out of the shotgun on second down and eight from his own 26. He takes the snap, hands it to Samuel, who has a man to beat. He does, cuts back inside, got a big run going. He's across midfield, being chased. Can the Seahawks catch him? They finally... Left, excuse me, their right guard and right tackle, like they're going to run a trap to our right. Um, and so Trey Lance, I think, actually messes this up. I think he should have kept the ball because he would have been out the gate or at least, you know, he would have probably picked up five to eight yards. I, look, this one to me is just on Sam. It is such a great run he sticks his right foot down 
And, you know, Daryl Taylor, I would love for him to make this tackle because if he did, it would be about a three to five yard. Actually, it would have been a six yard loss and said it was a 51 yard gain. So it's 57 yard difference on this. And then, I mean, it's just, you know, poor pursuit by us. We overrun it. Um, I will say this to, you know, Tariq Woolen, who we just had on. Oh, my God, he can run. I mean, he came from the far side line and ran down Samuel, who can run. And he was out wide open. I mean, it was kind of like DK, um, you know, catching Buda Baker a few years ago uh, from Arizona. So, I, look, it, it's a, it, I, I, to me, this is just a great individual performance by Samuel, and we just didn't play it very well. Yeah, I look at that guard and that tackle pull and how it affects Jordan Brooks and Cody Barton. It gets them to bite up and really allow those guards and that backside tackle to get bodies on bodies, and that's what you want in the box, right? And then you look at a ten in the backfield, just in great position, doesn't make the tackle. Debo Samuel is one of the best in the game at making guys miss and yards after contact. That's why it's so important that you get bodies uh, over there, right? You, don't, you need more hats to get to the party, and Pete Carroll mm -hmm. talked about that all this week. Like, look, we got to get off of blocks, and we got to get more guys to the ball carrier. This is a prime example of that. We just talked to Tariq Woolen. You mentioned it. Man, he ran him down. I mean, he made Debo look like he was <laughs> it, just a varsity like player DK, on a Friday. DK met Fetcalf catching Buda Baker a few years ago from yeah. behind like that. And look, th this second cut by Samuel, the, you guys aren't seeing it, but go watch. This It's the second cut that's so brilliant. Yeah. And he just splits our defense and then has the vision to, to bring it back up the middle. It, it's Look, I think it's just a great performance by one guy, and I would love for our guy to have made the tackle on the backfield, but sometimes it happens. All right, this next play we're going to break down. Jimmy G finds Dwelly, the tight end for the Niners, for a 38-yard touchdown. Davis Price in a tailback. Play fake to him. Garoppolo looks. Got a man wide open. Turning upfield down to the 10 to the 5. Fights his way, Dwelly, the tight end. He is in for a touchdown. Somebody completely lost coverage on the tight end crossing the field. It's a 38-yard touchdown to the tight end, Ross Dwelly. As we talked about, Garoppolo isn't going to run to beat you, but boy, he knows this offense, and he can throw the ball on the money, and he did that time. And the 49ers increase their lead now, 12-0 over the Seahawks, looking to make it 13. Boy, I tell you what, man, coaching's hard. Th this play is such a good scheme play offensively. First of all, it looks like we're blitzing five guys. It looks like we got uh, our safety on the right side who's coming off the corner. So five guys are coming. So I can't tell if we're playing a combo man zone behind it. So I can't call anybody out. But what they did on this is they cleared our corner out with kind of a skinny post. So they occupied both our free safety and our right corner. And then they brought the tight end down the seam. And he faked like he was either going to run an in or a post. And then all of a sudden he broke it to what I call a short corner or an out or a deep out route yeah. from that position. I Look, I don't know how you stop it. The one thing I would have loved to have seen is our linebacker on that one maybe get a little depth and try to hold off the guy who was running the swing route to our right. Um, uh, but if they knew this play was coming and that play's designed, I, th I would probably teach on this one. Normally what we teach is if you get a skinny post, the, the free safety in the corner 
one of you has to come off of that and look for that route. Usually a deep crosser, or in this case, that tight end running kind of a corner route. It takes a lot of practice, and they ran it so good, I don't know if we would have stopped it. I think we could have stopped it from it not being a touchdown, but there's no way we would have stopped it with the defense we ran for that catch. Yeah, I think the corner should have broke off of the post and got on that deep out, but when that corner sees that inside release by the tight end, um, mentally he's like, all right, that's no longer mine. Right? Yeah. I'm going to pass him off. And uh, that's just a young corner over there, right? you got to keep your eyes in the back. But that's the advantage of playing the zone is that you're allowed to use your eyes, right? You have to feel and see what's going on here, but your peripherals got to take you there. Easier said than done. Well, again, there we're rushing five guys. Guys. So what? What? I don't. Again, I, that's why I can't call anybody out. I don't know if we're playing a man zone combo. Are we spot dropping three guys underneath and we're playing three deep behind it? Um, that's what I think. Yeah. So, and, and you're right. If that's the case, then you'd want to teach, you know, Tariq in that situation. Hey, skinny post, got to communicate on it. It's a hard play. I mean, that yeah, is a fantastic design yeah. play. Yep, yep. Tough play. Okay, this last play, Tariq Woolner blocks a field goal, and Mike Jack picks it up and runs it back for a touchdown. He has one of 20 and one of 33 already. There's the snap, and it's Ooh. blocked. I think it's Tariq Woolen coming the other way, sprinting down the near sideline. Michael Jackson, they're not going to get him. 40, 30, hand goes up, 10-5, touchdown Seahawks. What a play. Woolen blocks it. Jackson picks it up and goes about 80 yards with it for a touchdown. And the Seahawks are finally on the board with an incredible play by the special teams. That's just, I, I, we had uh, Tariq uh, Woolen on earlier. And when you're that fast coming off the corner with the wingspan he has, you're going to get some of these blocks. I, I've seen guys come off the edge where they're, they're there. I mean, they're lined up with the kick, but because they have to take it so sharp inside yeah. and they're so low, you know, the ball gets up in the air really quick, right? So they're there, but they just can't get to the ball. They're just not tall enough. Tariq, man, he, he not only is he there, he's probably almost a yard past it at that point, but his wingspan's so long, I mean, they can't get that ball up over him. So he's going to be a force as a field goal blocker. And if he doesn't get it, it's going to create opportunities for the guy to go between that wing and tight end. Because if they worry about him coming off the edge. Yeah, the best part is he put it on film. He showed the rest of the league, yeah. like, look, if you don't give me the proper attention, I will bend that corner and block that kick. So typically you have tight ends on the edges right there too because they're the best at blocking and setting the edge. So it should be interesting how the Atlanta Falcons address this. They're going to spend a bit more time during practice making sure that those wings are ready to go. There's In the, in the past, you really didn't have to block the guy at the end because they're out wide. It, just with your alignment, the way the route that they have to take, we know that the ball is going to be snapped within 1.2 seconds or 3 seconds most guys cannot get there um we have a guy who can yep we have a guy. <laughs> so that's pretty good <laughs> that's pretty good okay come join us here on thursday nights where you get a chance to win gift cards from the bellevue collection dining district tonight the getaway gift cards to the tavern living room bar the porch at the w bellevue and duke's seafood when we return we will talk that talk me and moya will square up and give you our thoughts and some opinions rashad penny really rushed 400 uchenna wusu will he be the the defensive player for the Seattle Seahawks. That and lots more coming up next right here on Hawks Live. We're here at Bellevue Square Center Court. This is presented by Bellevue Collection. Spata.
You know, we go, we uh, ate dinner today. Where'd, where'd we in there? At the Tavern Hall. Tavern Hall. Great right there, there. Uh, right there in the crosswalk over to Lincoln between the, the ambiance is nice, is nice and dim in there. I like the dim look at the Tavern You know what? Has. And the people who, who served us, I guess, I don't know how to say it. Courtney. Courtney. She was so nice. I mean, and, and again, the steak sandwich. Yes, I'm plugging it hard because steak sandwich. I just want to make sure. <laughs> Michael, the Michael, manager over Michael there. Manager. That's a great name, by the way. Michael can't go wrong with that, Paul. I can't wait for you to get all the names in here at the end and thank everybody. Well, why are you? Why are you put that on me? <laughs> Don't you put that on me? All right, our keys to success. How are these guys going to win this game? Oh man! I'll tell you one thing, Paul. They got to they got to play better defense, and yeah. they're going to get a lot of the looks that they saw against the 49ers. Mm. The Falcons are not going to execute it the way that the 49ers executed, but it's nice to go out there and be able to correct some of the things that you saw on film. I, you're never as good or as bad as you think you are. And you go back and look at this game, it really was about six plays, particularly in the first half. A couple missed tackles, um, had that one play. I don't even know it was a blown assignment. I thought it was just a really good design play by the 49ers, their, their one touchdown there. Um, you, you had a couple plays called back. Uh, we have the muff punt. You know, Again, those things we can correct and fix. I thought our offensive line got some push. So I think we need to stick with the running game. I think we need to do way more play action and bootlegs. Way more. I mean, it's just the empty backfield. I get it. But I, it, some people say, well, there's more options. There are five guys out in the pass route. I go, no, there's less options. You're not going to run the ball. You're not going to run a screen. Right. You can't play action. You can't have a check down. There's not, there are less options. So if you're listening to me, I'm <laughs> telling you, if you go empty backfield, I know the ball has to come out quick. Yeah. And I'm probably going to send five least at you. So I just don't like it. I want us to get back to no what we... No empty at all? I, why? Why? And here's why. Partly why. With the way we run or use our running backs, if it was, if, if we had five wide receivers or four wide receivers and some tight ends, there was truly some threats. Okay. Right. okay. But when I get a running back and they motion out wide, I go, why? I just, uh, for me, that's just me. It's a personal thing. It's not <laughs> preference. It's not a big deal. I'm probably wrong. But when I watched our empty backfields last week, we didn't have a lot of success. Okay. And so, and to me, there's a little bit of history to that. Um, and I, I want to be, I, I just think having a, a running back in the backfield when you're under center, that play action and that run threat, it, it's meaningful. It's meaningful to the linebackers you're playing against. They have to respect that. And you can work behind them. And so i just like to see a little bit more in that. We just need to tackle better. I yeah. mean, everything else, we're fine. We just need to tackle better, eliminate some of the mistakes, and let's get back to what I think we are offensively. And that's, let's play a power running football game. What I need to see are four to five shots down the field. I need Gino to get back there and say, I don't care if this DB is on Amen. number 14's hip. Mm. He is better than him. He is bigger, faster, stronger, and he gets paid more. So go ahead and let this young man make his money. Throw that thing up to number 14 every now and then. You got to test him out. You got to test him out and see if they can defend against this guy and just allow him to make a play, right? That flea flicker, I guess you want to call it flea flicker. He was covered. But you know what he did? He Going, got made it. a play. Now, unfortunately, A. Blues was downfield. You can't have linemen down the field. We're going to correct that as well. Yeah, I know. Look, Washington State, sometimes you say, hey, remember, three yards, nine feet. Okay, no, you can't go there. <laughs> hey, name me one person in the league from Arizona State right now. Me, I, exactly. Wazoo, baby. Don't be talking about my boys like that. 
All right, don't be talking about Wild. Here's what like I know: that. I got more in the league than you have right now. So that's all <laughs> I you, know. But you can't name none I, of them. Just because I got, I'm, I'm, I'm mad at Arizona State right now. Okay, don't. <laughs> you guys make are fighting. You guys are we're fighting, fighting right a little now. bit. Okay, I understand. Okay. I understand. Just don't talk about my boy like. But that. I think we'll play well. I mean, we need the crowd back into it, and um, I, the only thing that makes me nervous about this game is we don't get off to a good start, uh-huh. and we start doubting ourselves. We're young, mm-hmm. and there's that confidence thing. Pete's very good at getting teams ready. Uh, I think we'll be ready for this one. It's a 125 kickoff game, so it's kind of a primetime afternoon game on Fox. And uh, we'll be there for pregame at 10 a.m., ready to rock and roll. We will be there three hours prior. Myself, Paul Moyer, Ray Roberts, Robert Turbin, Marcus Trufant, the True. whole squad True. will be there. Hey, well, special thanks to Josh Kendall, Daryl Johnson, and Tariq Willen for joining the show. Our board operator is Brady Robick. On-site engineer is Brenner Rogers wife of Curtis Rogers. Production assistant is Nashad Kandipuri, and our executive producer is Nasa Chobi. The Seahawks pregame show is live this Sunday starting at 10 a.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bombas. That's my guy, Paul Moore. We'll be back next week right here on Hawks Live.